0: Chapter 14 of Plague of Pythons by Frederick Pohl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chandler loped silently up the stairs to Koitska's suite. Halfway up, he tripped and sprawled, half stunning himself against the stair rail. It had not been his own clumsiness, he was sure. Koitska had caught at his mind again, but only feebly. Chandler did not wait. Whatever was interfering with Koitska's control, some distraction, or malfunction of the coronet, or whatever, Chandler could not bank on its lasting. The door was locked. He found a heavy mahogany chair with a back of solid carved wood. He flung it onto his shoulders grunting and ran with it into the door. A bull driven frantic, lunging out of its carentia to batter the wall of the arena. The door splintered. Chandler was gashed with long slivers of wood, but he was through the door. Koitska lay sprawled along his couch, eyes staring. Alive or dead? Chandler did not wait to find out, but sprang at him, hands outstretched. The staring eyes flickered. Chandler felt the pull at his mind, but Koitska's strength was almost gone. The eyes glazed, and Chandler was upon him. He ripped the coronet off and flung it aside, and the huge bulk of Koitska swung paralytically off the couch and fell to the floor. The man was helpless. He lay breathing like a steam engine, one eye pressed shut against the leg of a coffee table, the other looking up at Chandler. Chandler was panting almost as hard as the helpless mass at his feet. He was safe for a moment, at the most for a moment for at any time one of the other execs might dart down out of the mind world into the real looking at the scene through chandler's eyes and surely deducing what would be no more to his favor than the truth he had to get away from there if he seemed busy in another room perhaps they would go away again chandler turned his back on the paralyzed monster to flee it would be even better to try to lose himself in honolulu if he could get that far he did not in his own flesh know how to fly the helicopter that was parked in the yard or he would try to get farther still but as he turned he was caught chandler turned to see koitska lying there and screamed his eyes were staring at koitska it was too late he was possessed by someone he did not know whom though it made little enough difference he thought watching his own hands reach out to touch the staring face his body straightened. His eyes looked around the room. He went to the desk. "'Love?' he cried to himself. "'What's the matter with Koitska?' Write for God's sake!' And he took a pencil in his hand and was free. He hesitated, then scribbled, "'I don't know. I think he had a stroke.' "'Who are you?' The other mind slipped tentatively into his, scanning the paper." rosie you idiot who did you think he said furiously what have you done nothing he began instinctively then scratched the word out briskly and exactly he wrote he was going to kill me but he had some kind of an attack i took his coronet away i was going to run oh you fool he told himself shrilly a moment later chandler's body knelt beside the wheezing fat lump taking its pulse the faint fitful throb meant nothing to chandler probably meant nothing to rosie either for his body stood up hesitated shook its head you've done it now he sobbed and was surprised to find he was weeping real tears oh love why i could have taken care of koitska somehow no maybe i couldn't he said frantically breaking down "'I don't know what to do. "'Do you have any ideas, outside of running?' "'It took him several seconds to write the one word, "'but it was really all he could find to write. "'No.' "'His lips twisted as he read the word. "'Well,' he said practically, "'I guess that's the end, love. "'I mean, I give up.' "'He got up, turned around the room. "'I don't know,' he told himself worriedly. "'There might be a chance, if we could hush this up i'd better get a doctor he'll have to use your body so don't be surprised if there's someone and it isn't me maybe he can pull andre through maybe andre'll forgive you then or if he dies chandler's voice schemed as his eyes stared at the rasping motionless hulk we can say you broke down the door to help him only you'll have to put his coronet back on so it won't look suspicious "'Besides, that will keep anyone from occupying him.' "'Do that, love. Hurry.' And he was free. Gingerly, Chandler crossed the floor. He did not like to touch the dying animal that wheezed before him. Liked even less to give it back the weapon that if it only had a few moments of sentience again, it would use to kill him. But the girl was right.' without the helmet any wandering curious exec could take possession of Kreutzke's body himself the helmet would shield him from would shield anyone from would shield chandler himself from possession if he used it he did not hesitate he slipped the helmet on his head snapped the switch and in a moment stood free of his own body in the gray luminous limbo looking down at the pallid traceries that lay beneath he did not hesitate then either he did not pause to think or plan it was as though he had planned every step in long detail over many years chandler for at least a few moments had the freedom to battle the execs on their own ground the freedom that any mourning parent or husband in the outside world would know well how to use chandler also knew he was a weapon. He might die, but it was not a great thing to die. Millions had done it for nothing under the rule of the execs, and he was privileged to be able to die trying to kill them. He stepped callously around the hulk on the floor and found a door behind the couch. A door and a hall, and at the end of that hall a large room that had once perhaps been a message center. Now it held rack after rack of electronic gear. He recognized it without elation. It had had to be there. It was the main transmitter for all the coronets of the exec. He had only to pull one switch, that one there, and power would cease to flow. The coronets would be dead. The execs would be only humans. In five minutes he could destroy enough parts so that it would be at least a week's work to build it again, and in a week the slaves in Honolulu, somehow he could reach them, somehow he could tell them of their chance could root out and destroy every exec on all the islands of course there was the standby transmitter he himself had helped to build he realized tardily that koitska would have made some arrangement for starting that up by remote control he put down the tool kit with which he had been advancing on the racks of transistors and paused to think he was a fool he saw after a moment he could not destroy this installation not yet not until he had used it he remembered to sit down so that his body would not crash to the floor and then he sent himself out and up to scan the nearby area there was no one there nobody within a mile or more except the feeble glimmer that was dying koitska he did not enter that body he returned to his own long enough to barricade the door it had a strong-looking lock, but he shouldered furniture against it, too. And then he went up and out, grateful to Rosalie, who had taught him how to navigate in the curious world of the mind, flashing across water, under a mind-controlled plane, to the island of Hilo. There had to be someone near the standby installation. He searched, but there was no one. No one in the building. No one near the ruined field no one in the village of the dead nearby he was desperate he became frantic he was on the point of giving up and then he found someone. but it was a personality feebler than stricken koitskas a bare swamp-fire glow no matter he entered it at once he screamed silently and left it again he had never known such pain a terrifying fire in the belly a thunder past any migraine in the head a thousand lesser aches and woes in every member he could not imagine what person lived in such distress but grimly he forced himself to enter again moaning it was astonishing how thick and animal-like the man's voice was chandler forced his borrowed body stumbling through the jungle time was growing very short he drove it gasping at an awkward run across the airfield dodged around one wrecked plane and blundered through the door the pain was intolerable he was hardly able to maintain control chandler stretched out the borrowed hand to pick up a heavy wrench even while he thought but the hand would not grasp he brought it to the weak watery eyes the hand had no fingers it ended in a ball of scar tissue the left hand was nearly as misshapen. Panicked, Chandler retreated from the body in a flash back to his own, and then he began to think. It was—it had to be—the creature he had seen in the village of the dead, a leper, one of the few who escaped from the colony at Molokai. Chandler drove himself back to that body, and, though it could not work well, he could make a turn of frequency dial, using its clubbed hands like sticks he could make it throw a switch he then caused it to place the toothed edge of a rusting saw on the ground and strike at it with its throat in a sort of reverse guillotine chandler could not see that he had a choice he dared not have that creature left where it might be seized the moment he quit its body it was better dead after that it all became easy in his own body he destroyed the installation in oahu a few minutes at koitska's workbench and he had changed the frequency on his own coronet to transmit on the new band the leper's touch had given the helo equipment he worked rapidly and without errors one ear cocked for the sound of someone coming to threaten what he was doing the sound never came impatient to get the job done he was very impatient for when he was done he would be the only exec and the execs would be only slaves End of chapter 14.